everybody. Uh, welcome again uh, to another episode, episode 11, of The Internet Needs to Calm the Hell Down About Games. Uh, I'm K-Med, my man, Gascles, uh, and I have uh, started this show. We're uh, past two months, almost three months into this thing, and uh, basically uh, you're joining us for a talk about, uh, you know, games uh, that we've played, games that we're playing, um, and uh, just other uh, shit talk that uh, we hear around uh, around the internet, um, controversies or news or both, um, and uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's kind of the uh, the rhythm of the show. Um, we usually uh, you know get started by uh, by first well first asking, hey, how are you, man? How's the new year? It's the first episode of this year. We took a break for a week over the holidays, uh, but we're back. Uh, how's life treating you? Sorry, double muted there, uh, <laughs> which is much the norm during the workday, but uh, it should be a little different when we're podcasting. So, uh, no, everything's been pretty decent. Uh, I did a lot of soul searching uh, while I was on break and figured out, like, what I wanted to play and, you know, how I wanted to handle streaming and the podcast and things like that. So I uh, did a lot of, uh, I make lots of lists. So I did what I felt like was a fairly good job of laying all that stuff out and kind of making some some key decisions. It's not all necessarily rational and logical. So it has a lot of uh, litmus testing and hypothesis testing to go through and see how it plays out. But, uh, but, uh, but I did have that downtime to kind of you know, go through that, uh, that philosophical exercise. So things are nice. starting off well. So nice. I'm, uh, I'm good to go uh, yeah, with the no, game I, for 2021. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, uh, yeah. And I, uh, I did a little bit of that myself. I had some time off, um, just kind of recentered. Uh, 2020 was kind of, kind of a crazy year for everybody. So, uh, I'm just going to try to try to harness some of that, uh, uh, energy, and uh maybe turn it around make it more positive and uh just looking forward to uh new uh new shit this year you know we're gonna have uh new games and uh and new things to play and new stuff to talk about so uh you know i'm, I'm hoping that that'll uh it'll be a, a better year since uh since we kind of all went into a, a slide last last year um yeah so i, I guess with that we can uh we can probably get started i'll uh, I'll tell you what's up in my gaming world right now. I've actually, I didn't get as much gaming as I wanted in over the break, um, but uh, but I did, I did get some in. Um, I uh, went ahead and uh, stopped playing uh, Call of Duty just entirely, and uh, I uh, bought the uh, Destiny season pass and I grinded that for a while, and I've been uh, I've been playing that and it feels, you know, anybody out there that's playing it on the consoles versus um, PC, there used to be just this huge um, rift between console and PC in terms of, uh, you know, frame rate and just the smoothness of the game. And uh, with the new consoles, uh, you know, we're getting these, uh, uh, you know, 4K 60 frames per second, you know, performance on the, on the PS5 and the, uh, and the Xbox now, I think the PS5 too, and it just feels very, very smooth. Um, you know, I've played it on PC before, but uh, I didn't have anybody 
I played it on the PC. My friends were playing it at the time, so I went on the Xbox and uh, playing uh, Destiny in you know on OLED in 4K at 60 frames a second is a good experience. Um, so it definitely sucked me back in. However, however, regardless of how much fun you know uh how how much fun the gameplay is the guns the the shooting i'm i'm really liking um handguns again and hand cannons again where when i was playing uh you know at 30 frames a second it seemed off i don't know what it was like i i thought it was maybe a mouse versus joystick thing but i think it's almost more of a frame rate smoothness versus um you know input device deal but either way regardless of all that if it feels amazing looks amazing there's so much to do ah i hit level 30 on the season pass and i'm at the point where grinding out light levels is like one point at a time and i'm bored again and i knew it was gonna happen it's fine i mean i got i paid what 10 bucks for a season pass if i stop now no big deal um but destiny has this weird like um a bell curve of of uh, of what you do and then it feels really good and progression feels really good and then wham you just hit this wall i feel like where the casual just drops off like there's nothing else for me to do as a solo you know casual player you just they build this giant wall where now it's like oh shit now i gotta spend you know four hours a day every day if i want to grind out all my pinnacle gear or all this other shit anyway i mean that's that oh, that's just my gripe destiny is beautiful um it's free uh and on game pass you get all the expansions too i mean it, it's a it's a great value you get a lot of good game time out of it i probably have 700 hours in in destiny but um but it's just that wall, and I hit it every season. Every time, I'm like, all right, here I go. Like, I'm gung-ho. I'm ready. I'm in this. I got the season pass. I got the lore. I'm reading it. I got my fucking – I got my hunter cape on. I'm cosplaying. I'm sitting down, and it just kills me, dude. It hits this wall. And I am – I find myself more than a casual in terms of, like, I know what's coming, and it still hurts physically and emotionally. It just kills me. So I don't know how – casual players can play this game i mean to be honest i guess if they don't give a fuck and just you know play the pvp maybe you know i have no idea but it's definitely not built for you know a super casual type of player you got to commit to destiny 2 in my opinion to really get what they want you to get out of it i think so so it's going to be a weird conversation this year because it i mean it it in, in the soul searching that you and i both did we're we're obviously you know, looking to drink from different cups, and but but there's crossover. But then I I'm, I'm sensing that there's different takes on on even the crossover where things are similar. So so to me, so part of the soul searching that I did was just like kind of what you're talking about in that it's really difficult for me to get into something like a The Last of Us or even Part Two or even Age of or the Age of or even Assassin's Creed Valhalla where I go, hey, I'm gonna invest, you know, twenty four hours, forty hours in this thing. If there's not a skill tree, as is as is the case with The Last of Us Two, where there is a skill tree, but in my opinion it's fairly shallow, right, in, in, in what it can what it provides and, and how it makes a difference as you play through the game. Then 
then it's hard for me to stick with it. And and even where there is like a skill tree with something like Valhalla, it still makes it hard to stick with it when I go, I'm going to spend my 40 hours in this thing, or even a cyberpunk, which I chose not to buy in December. Um, you know, I wound, up, I wound up buying Call of Duty three times. So, um, you know, it, it, it gets hard when I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my 40 hours into this, but like out, like, like with, you know, with this game, which kind of, which ends at some point, you know, it's hard for me to, to stomach that when I could go over and play something like Destiny 2, where I'm going to put this time in now, and this time that I put in now is still going to offer me benefits 18 months from now. And so for me on, on Destiny 2, it's it's kind of weird because, and, and, I, and I, I've heard, I heard, I'd seen you mention this before, like on Twitter and whatnot, but like... For me, Destiny 2 has never been about leveling up, even though I'm saying that that's my current thing. Like, I only want to... Games that have loot drops and levels and leveling is what my interest area is. But, like... But Destiny 2, to me, has been... I mean, in, in terms of... Uh, in terms of spirituality, right? Not, not necessarily, you know, developer DNA or whatever, but, like... Diablo's, Diablo was a thing, and it kind of was, in my opinion, like the the first really great loot dropper, I right? Guess, and, yeah. and, and then we progressed on to Borderlands, which took that loot mm-hmm. drop mechanic and started blending it with the first-person shooter arena, which we hadn't really seen before. And we, and we got the gun porn. <clears throat> yep, and then from sure there, did. we went on to Destiny 2, which kind of took that whole like, evolutionary progression and kind of sweeten it into, I would say a perfect formula, but, but a definite formula with, with, with stickiness to it. Mm-hmm. For, for me, Destiny 2 has always been about that. This, Destiny 2, to me, has been, like, the greatest gun physics lab that I've ever played, right? Like, I just love Destiny 2 because of the gunplay. Like, the gunplay feels... It feels good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it, there, there's almost no other game that has that kind of play. So, no, I'm 100% with you on that. Yeah, so so when I go into SC2, like, I don't, like... And, and, I have, and I have other friends who are deep... I mean, we've talked about, like, who, people who are deep into the lore and stuff. And, and he, But even, like, I have friends who are deep into the lore, but focus mainly on, like, the single player or, like, the, the, faux, the faux PvP um, in terms of... Um, Gambit, you know, but, you know, but they're not, they're not hardcore crucible people. And so even without that, like they, they, they like you get into like the deep progression, like they look up all the quests and figure out all the things they need to do to get all the armor and all the types of guns. And and I'm just, and for me, I just, I like play Destiny 2. It feels like this great, harmonious, perfect gunplay lab. And I'm like, hey, if I level up great. If I don't, great. You know, I just love I just love playing playing the gun physics engine. So, so it's just interesting to, to to see and hear those. Like I I never get tired of Destiny two. You know, it it's it's sad because I don't want to. Like it would, shit, man. I I could 
if I could play one game, maybe it's my ADD. I have no idea, man. But if I could play one game and just buy some season passes now and again, fuck yeah, I'd do that. My wife would be so happy with vacations like twice a year instead of just once. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I, I want, I want, I want all that shit. You know, like I want the shit you talk about, the armor, this other stuff. And I don't, I'm not paying for it. So, and you can't really do that. It's all cosmetics and shit in, in the Destiny store. So you can't pay for it like like in some MMOs. So you got to grind for it. And the grind is just so ridiculous. And maybe maybe I just have to accept defeat and just play it for what it is. And I have fun. But then I look at all these unattainables, you know, based off of how many hours I can put into it. And it puts me off, you know. So that's my kind of deal with that. Like, I wish there was some some medium in there it feels like it feels like that bell curve is just it, that that dip once you get there once they give you you know the newbie starter um you know progression and then they definitely make sure that you are you get leveled up you know fast enough so that you're not getting destroyed right which is which is great because nobody wants to sit there and get one shot all day long but then once you hit that it the, the grind is becomes tedious to me and that and maybe that's the way that i'm looking at it too like you know this is a grind and it shouldn't be a grind it should be enjoying it. and there's so many things to enjoy but yet the lure of the you know fucking osiris armor 2.0 is there and uh and I, it makes me want it so i don't know you know and i know that they I'm kind of in the middle, you know, I don't have enough time to, to, to be that hardcore sweaty, you know, player that can devote eight hours, but I want to be more than a casual player that comes in for a couple hours a week and does things. So I don't know, maybe I'm in a weird spot with that. Um, regardless, you're not, you're not wrong. I, I, I definitely, I definitely get what you're saying and I, and I'm not, I, I can't even say that I don't feel that way. It's just, maybe I just like, made peace with that part of myself. Yeah, and I, like, oh, I, I don't <laughs> think I have yet. Like, I need to come to Jesus with right. destiny because I, I, it's still there, and I know it's every fucking season. Like, you think, Kevin, you hit the wall how many times now, and you just you get in the car again, you see the wall, and you just drive straight into it. Like, maybe just slow down, or you know, I don't know. I always just burn myself out. Yeah, I mean, like, right, like right off the bat, flat out, I don't play raids. Period. Yep. I don't yep. have t I don't have I don't the time either. or the schedule to like find seven other people no. or whatever it is to get together Not with happening. and go into a thing that could potentially last anywhere from two and a half to, to eight, eight hours. hours. Right, like just that's just not happening. Right nope. off the bat, that means nope. there's content in the season pass you're not going to get to, because there's always stuff that is tightly coupled to the notion of raid. And and in general, like that's I, I mean same thing. I, I have that problem with Destiny Two as well, which is you know there's always certain things that you can only get to. I mean, good on them for kind of forcing you to get out of your comfort zone and go experience parts of the game that left your own devices you would never bother left my own devices i would have never bothered with gambit would have never touched right. it that's true that's true but there's stuff that you can get that you can only oh. do if you participate in gambit so i get that fun. yeah i mean but, but it, i get you it, it grates on me a little bit where when there are things that like i just want to do the thing and they're like right. oh no 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 you have to go do these yeah, you 10 gotta bounties. do this like, we're not going to tell you where they are. We're not going to tell you how they are. They're in stinking whatever they're called, undiscovered zones, or I forget what they're called, but they're little symbols on the map 
Um, yep. and, like for a while, I couldn't find them. Lost like, I didn't, sectors. No, lost sectors. Like I had to, I had to just stop. Like I had to just stop for a night, roll up the game, sit on the internet, and figure that whole yep. mess yep. out, and come back to it. You know, and 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 part of me, and maybe 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 we're onto something. Okay, maybe it is the way that some of these quests happen. I just went through at least three different quests on this new season, Beyond Light um, expansion, and. Uh, uh, steps one of these quests were all things that I could attain solo in the world. Step two, fucking PvP. You know, what? Are you... No! No, you just tricked me. So I don't even get anything. There's like no XP associated with it. There's nothing. It's just a step one of three. And the second step is like kill a hundred guardians. Well, fuck me. I'll be here until next spring then to kill a hundred... Are you shitting me? A hundred guardians. Oh, let, let me just uh, take a week off off of work and kill a hundred guardians. So this, no. this was kill a hundred guardians in Crucible. Yeah, it was like so I don't even just, know how many fucking guardians. Yeah. It was some ridiculous amount of right. PvP action that right, I, right, I'm not gonna do. Right. And it kind of reminds me of um, I remember how pissed people were in the Division One when you needed certain oh fucking fragments or some shit and you had to go into the dark zone the pvp dark zone to go get them and people are like what it's a looter shooter it's a pve looter shooter and you're gonna make me go into pvp to go get parts to craft for my weapons in pve right so it's kind of the same the same deal and you know and people argue like oh you know you're a fucking care bear and that's just the way it is and you know only the elite get these i guess so because i'm I don't know. I, I feel like that's just a weird way to to alienate part of that crowd because I don't even – I would venture to, to say that most people don't do PvP in Destiny. I'm just going to put it out there. It's not a great PvP game, especially on consoles at 30 frames a second. I mean, the shit's like PvP in, in Molasses. Uh, who wants to play that? I don't know. You know, it works in PvE, but – yeah, I don't know, man. Destiny's just—it's a strange animal for me. It's a love-hate. I don't know. Yeah. So, so let me ask. So, the so the single-player content. So, the like the lore piece. Are you able to get through that solo? You can it... get through some of it. You can. Um, I mean, I've done quests that all it all you all it wants out of you is time. You know, and that's that's okay. Like, there are quests where, yeah, you're going to spend 20 hours to get this gun, but you can do it, and you can do it solo, and it's attainable. Um, some require, definitely require help. Uh, some of the missions are just too hard to do, you know, um, which is also okay in the realm of feasible. But then the quests that just force you into a PvP, I mean, that's just like, those are two different players, that you have there like and some people do both incredibly well but i'd say a lot of people that get into you know that borderlands looter shooter mentality want a chill experience and don't want that pvp in there they want pvp they'll go play cod or battlefield or something that's explicitly you know pvp um so i don't know destiny tries to do a lot of things and it does a lot of them well um, but it, it kind of, it, it reminds me of, um, oh man, when I first, uh, when I first got an iPad, it's like, oh my God, it does so much well, but it's still not a computer, you know, like it, it's still just, it, why can't I do this? Like it lets me go this far, but then I can't go any farther, you know? Um, so it, it's kind of the, the jack of all trades, but master of none type of thing. 
again, like it sucks me in every time. And so it's, it does something right. And uh, now, you know, with the increased frame rates and fidelity, I mean, it's just beautiful. It runs smooth and buttery and nice. And I just, I'm thinking about playing it right now, but I know I'm going to get in there and play for an hour or two and get that armor envy and be like, fuck it, I, I'm never going to get that. So I don't even want to play anymore. I'll go fucking stare at the wall or something, you know, so. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. I have been playing that. Okay, so so there's my there's my Destiny 2 rant. I have been playing that. And then I picked up during the countdown sale, I picked up a little uh, game called Generation Zero. And so, uh, I played... Oh, so, I th- so I think I feel bad for you about this. Oh, but go, okay. but go ahead and tell okay. me. <laughs> You feel bad. Uh, now I have pity. Um, all right, so so Generation Zero I picked up, and I had played it a while back, and it was a really rough beta, I think, or an alpha, or some shit. I don't even know. It sucked. And I went back into it. I bought it this time. It was, you know, a whole eleven ninety nine. Um, so um, it's actually kind of a little gem. They, they have something going with it. The, the premise is in the 80s. Obviously, it takes place in, like, Sweden or some shit, because the English is all weird. Um, but uh, it, it's, uh, like, post-apocalyptic setting with robots. So not zombies, which I'm kind of tired of, but robots. And it's kind of neat. It's spooky. It's got a really eerie feeling. Um, you're kind of the only one around. You can play co-op. Um, and so far, all I'm doing is going around, doing little missions like, you know... Kind of, contact a radio tower here do this and do that but um you got to be really careful like there's there's no vehicles except a bicycle that i was able to get um and the robots are hyper like aggressive and aware um so it almost kind of feels like dark souls sometimes because you're just destined to fucking die if you get you know too many robots on you uh your guns are okay you can start upgrading them and so forth. You uh, acquire different clothing that gives you different buffs. Um, you know, so it's got really, really light RPG kind of mechanics to it. Um, there's no like weapon wear that I can see. Uh, there's no armor wear. You know, it, it's very basic in that aspect. But um, the the gameplay is is much nicer on the Series X. That could be part of the difference between the Xbox One X that I played the original version on, but um, it's a it's a fun little game. I could see it being fun co-op. I don't know how much more I'll get out of it single player, um, but I could see it being fun co-op, taking down some of the some of the bigger robots, uh, looting, you know, creating weapons. I don't know if there's like base creation eventually or anything like that. I don't see any building options right now, um, but it's just kind of bringing you. Uh, through a map and i'm assuming it has a loose single player story where maybe you get rescued i have no idea um, i'm only like two or three hours in but it's fun it's a fun little concept it's a little different um you know they're they're i think they're a small dev team doesn't look like it's a big team behind this um but if anybody's you know likes those kind of you know think early access steam game you know uh, don't expect too much but for 12 bucks um, it was 12 bucks. It may not be on sale any longer. Um, you know, pick it up on sale and give it a try. Uh, you know, it's a pretty solid game um, to to sink a little time into and just kind of fuck around and uh, kill robots. Yeah, I 
man, I, I have a tough, I have a tough time giving uh, it a buy. I mean, it's it's and and so I was. This was a game that came out in 2019. I was very excited about it because um, uh, uh, content-wise, background story-wise, it's kind of right in my wheelhouse of the types of things that I like, like this you know dystopian kind of revisionist history um, approach. Uh, you know, mixed with a little bit of like a, a Red Dawn kind of uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. play, but you know, in a, in a in a different country, and then you throw mechs in there. I'm like, that's like, what else do I want in a game? Spaceships, right? You add some spaceships in there, and I'd be there. But like, it's it's a 51 on Metacritic right now. Um, oh. It's it's a it's a it's a week on Open Critic uh, slash. Uh, <laughs> 49 for for people who like lose sleep. I feel judged. <laughs> for people who lose sleep over the big bad metacritic and feel like open critic is the is the road to salvation. Right, right, right. Because right. yes, yes, their because yes. their ratings come out so vastly different. Um, yes, a whole two three points. I know. <laughs> right. So um, so. So this was a game that, uh, like I said, I was I was really looking forward to. Uh, Avalanche Studios is is small. But they did Rage Two, right? For, they did. Uh, they did. They did. For, for Bethesda. Um, so oh, they did Rage Two. That that <laughs> that bugged out on me, and I have never been able to complete the storyline. So maybe I should just get a refund. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, and Rage yeah. and, and Rage Two fairly well received overall. It was. Um, it was. You know, better than better than you know original Rage. Rage was kind of seen as like interesting. Um, and a, an interesting, I don't want to say anecdote, but uh, kind of, uh, you know, so I, they, they played out a little differently. Rage, uh, I think, was was noted for its really pretty decently tight single-player approach. People appreciated the extra content and the further distance traveled in Rage 2, uh, but didn't necessarily feel like it was as tight a story as Rage. So it was a little bit over the map. So I, I feel like that developer has some some time in the deep end of the pool to have worked its things out. Um, I'm not quite certain That's why true. next generation didn't quite come together, but I mean, but overall, I mean, is it, is it something you foresee yourself spending time with and going back to, or was it just kind of an interesting, <sighs> like, I don't know. It was over the it holiday was definitely just a stupid impulse buy, but I've also sunk in countless hours into stupid impulse buys. Um, you know, I don't know, honestly, I think if you got, if you got a couple buddies in there, and played it it could be a fun you know like friday night kind of chill fest play a couple hours here and there you know i don't i i don't it's not gonna be it's not gonna mainline anybody's gaming um i i just i'm always curious to these games like what you know what their vision was and why why is it lacking you know so many things honestly it actually looks pretty good now um they you know there's technically it's sound um, some of the controls could be a little tighter, um, but uh, technically it's fine. And actually, now that you mention it, it, it the controls feel a little Rage 2-ish to me. You know, um, I didn't realize that they did that. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you know, I just don't know. I wonder if, if if some of these studios just kind of branch off and say, hey, guys, go. We want some sort of fucking game with robots and we'll give you like four people and uh, go in the closet and come out with something. You know, like I I often wonder that, like, is it just a little side project type thing? Who knows? Well, I think think they had big hopes for Generation Zero. I think they thought that it was going to be the thing that broke them out, um, you know, on on their own. Because I think, I I can't remember if it was self-published or, but it wasn't published under ZeniMax Bethesda. No, no, it wasn't. 
so I, I, I think, and it, and it was set up to be like a game as a service, right? They were supposed to have legs to it? Right. Yep. So, yep. I, so, I, so yeah, I, it was. And I don't think that ever really came to be. So it's right, probably right. dead in the water, and that's why the price, you know, sank on it. Um, you know, as it is, uh, it, it, it reminds me of those games like Seven Days to Die and The Forest and all those kind of early access games that maybe were a pipe dream that never happened. Um, but a lot of people still find really enjoyable, you know. Uh, I just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'd caution people if it was expensive. But at, you know, two lattes, I mean, whatever, it, it, it'll probably give you that that much entertainment. Um, the ROI isn't isn't unattainable here for uh, for for entertainment, but um, it, it brings to it brings to mind. Um, oh man, like yeah, Seven Days to Die, and how the console version ended up still being supported. No, I'm sorry, the PC version still being supported, but when Telltale broke broke apart, the console versions are like dead in the water, but still being sold. Uh, so you got this stale game that hasn't had an update in two years sitting there. Um, still being sold for cheap, but I mean it's still there because it works technically. Um, but uh, but I wonder if this is just going to be one of those games just stuck in time. But you're right. There's a lot of when I play it, I could see that there was a lot of work done in certain regions. Like some of those mechs are are really well you know articulated, and and somebody took some care and design in there. But then I also noticed that every house I go into looks exactly the same on the inside. Like IKEA took a shit all over each house and it's identical i mean down to the hallways i'm like what the fuck did one builder do this whole island um but well, uh so well, like yeah like you said man if you're look if you're sitting around belly aching grousing you know you just got your money back from your cyberpunk refund then exactly. you know hey take 12 of those and dollars and it. go check out <laughs> right. yeah exactly take your 12 bucks your hard-earned 12 dollars and go check out Generation Zero. It, you'll you'll get your money's worth for it. I guarantee it. Even if you play three hours, that's cheap entertainment. I mean, you go to Vegas, you put a twenty in a slot machine, it's gone in like thirty-seven seconds. So, um, but yeah, th that's kind of what I've been playing. Um, I took a hi hiatus uh, this week. I haven't been playing too much. Just haven't really been in the mood. I've been like reading books like I'm fucking ninety or something. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like it's a new year. It was just kind of shitty and rainy and uh, so it's been about a week since I really touched the consoles other than um uh, doing my Game Pass quests, which I always get on and just kind of do because free money, baby. And if you're not doing Game Pass quests, go do Game Pass quests. Give Microsoft all your information for measly cents on the dollar so that you can buy $12 video games. That's my that's my tip of the day. Yeah, an interesting thing that I found out too, uh, I assume you still have to be a Game Pass subscriber, but if you're a Game Pass subscriber, even if you bought the game, like I bought Anthem, um, if the game is on Game Pass, even if you own it, you still get the Game Pass Quest points. You do. Yeah, you so do. When, I, when I booted up Anthem this weekend, played some multiplayer with some friends of mine, uh, my Game Pass Quest popped, and I was like, what, that's weird, I own the game. Uh, but yeah, apparently that's Yeah, the and you don't even need, um, you know, you don't need your disc. You know, if the if it's on Game Pass, it'll just kind of authenticate with the library. So that's kind of nice. Sometimes I will, I will literally play a game because I don't have to reach over, pop in the disc because it's right there. So that's super lazy, I know. But um, 
but yeah, no, Game Pass is great on that. And uh, yeah, it'll pop. Uh, it'll pop those Game Pass quests. Uh, the Microsoft Rewards will also pop. Um, you know, for purchases that you purchase digitally from elsewhere too. And a lot of people don't realize that you don't have to purchase the digital game from the Microsoft Store. You could purchase the digital game from Best Buy or Newegg or Amazon. And once you punch in the code, it gives you credit for buying it from the Microsoft Store. Um, so I don't know, man. When free money's there, free money's there. They're already got. They're in my living room. So whatever. If they want to, they want more info. Have at it. Privacy's gone. Ah, oh, I don't want to get into that rant. But what have you been playing, dude? What I should have said at the top of the segment was this is the part of the show that we call current gaming. So let's get it started. Oh, oh all right. Let's do it. So, um, uh, oh, were you not able to hear that one? I thought I had it set up throughout to you, so I have to check out the screen. (laughs) So, just for those who 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 didn't hear it, uh, let's see. (laughs) So that was uh, the little kid freaking out because he'd uh, no scoped someone in Fortnite. So, uh, you know, interesting, uh, man, I, so many segues with things that you said uh, during your section, uh, because I have been touching my Xbox Series S uh, almost every day. Uh, I've been actually very, uh, it's been very difficult not to, because that's where I've been playing Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War uh, most, uh, most recently, um, although I do have it now on PlayStation 5 and on PC as well. Um, I kind of have to go back and forth because my because uh, my my wrists and tendons and my fingers uh, get fatigued playing on any one platform. Um, so I, with the different controller uh, interfaces, so I go back and forth between the three. Uh, but before I talk about that, ooh, excuse me, puberty voice breaking. Um, I uh, you know in in trying to come up with like what what is it like what set of characteristics defines what I want to play. Um, and, and how do I balance between, like, things that I feel like I have to play in order to um, be on podcasts where we kind of critically review and talk about games um, versus games that I want to play that are kind of the games that I really love, but I also have systems that, that prevent, you know, notably prevent myself from dumping all of my time into those games, because if I did, I would never play anything else, right? I would never play, like, The Last of Us 2 or Ghost of Tsushima um, or all these other kind of critically important games to various platforms. So, um, you know, part of the mix I've been coming up with is, is one, you know, balancing that a little better. Uh, you know, one of the things that I don't like doing is I don't like putting my head down and going, all right, let's get through The Last of Us 2, and it's like 26 hours, right? Or, um, you know, let's get through Ghost of Tsushima, and it's 40 hours, and... And I, in that whole time, I feel like, okay, I'm playing this, but it's preventing me, it's blocking me, it's an obstacle to getting over to something that I, you know, that I want to play that has some enduring persistence in terms of its character progression. Um, and these games where I have a build or I have a garage of, like, different vehicles or, or whatever. So, um, so I'm trying to figure out what that mix looks like Uh one of the things that made the cut that is kind of in this weird space in between, right, to further complicate matters. So I, so I have these things on either side of the fence, but then I have these things that are kind of in the middle. Um, and one of those things is Red Dead Redemption 2, which 
I played it on console in 2018 when it came out. I played it on uh, on Xbox One. Uh, I was not very enamored with the uh, with the game. Still, am not to a certain extent. It has a lot of these very, in my mind, tedious, mundane, uh, low-level tasks that people think of as gameplay. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, right? Like, like me spamming the E button to pick up a wagon wheel, uh, roll a wagon wheel, and put a wagon wheel on a, on a wagon when that's not a repeatable skill and I don't have a, a part of a skill tree that's that says wagon repair um, and that, as far as I know, may not appear anywhere else later in the game. Like, that to me is not gameplay. That to me is not a productive period of time Killer. that that's I spend. Silly. Right, right, that, that has any return to me, right? So um, there are things like that in Red Dead Redemption 2 still, which obviously there were in the beginning, which... You know, one of the things that I want to kind of feel through this year and kind of think about and write about and talk about on podcasts is, is it, you know, there are things like this, there are things like that in The Last of Us 2 where when I come back around to it for the second or the third time, they don't grate me as much because when I go back to that, you know, so putting that wagon wheel on, the first time I played that, I'm like, God, like, this is keeping me from playing Destiny 2. This is keeping me from playing... Call of Duty. This is keeping me from playing Forza, right? This is stupid. This is dumb. And and it results in, you know, if I were a viewer who gave numeric scores, this was also the type of thing that, that leads to me giving something like an incredibly low numeric score. You know, when I come back to it the second or third time, I come back to it like, okay, this is a critically acclaimed, acclaimed game that I feel like I have to play as part of, like, rounding out my palette. And so I know that there are those things there, and so they're a little less criminal to me. They're, they're still probably frustrating. Um, you know, I was listening to uh, another podcast uh, this week, and they were doing their Game of the Year rewards, and, and one of their, you know, Game of the Year reward categories, they're a lot like our superlatives, so I, I need to go back and check, you know, who, uh, who, who, who came up with that construct first. I'm pretty sure the Enough to Keep Going Weekly Games podcast did, but that's just me. So, um, <laughs> so, but one of their categories was like game that you spent the most time, the most late nights with, like the game that kept you up the most late at night. Um, and, you know, and in some cases, you know, some of their readership, some of their listenerships at The Last of Us 2. And I know that I did like a five hour straight stretch with The Last of Us 2 at one point as well into like the wee hours of like two or three o'clock in the morning. I think one time I was up with The Last of Us 2 until like 4 a.m. But, you know, a lot of those times were not... That wasn't the Civ 2 just one more turn thing of staying up till 3 a.m. That was the, let me push through this and hope by all that is high and mighty that I finish this thing so I never have to pick it up again. You know, and, and so and Red Dead Redemption 2 is kind of in that ilk. Um, but I also know that I can't do that because it has so much of that filler that you're just never, you know, going to get through that. So... You know, this time around with Red Dead Redemption 2, there there are things that I'm, I, I almost hate to say, taking a breath and uh, and appreciating a little bit more, like like the long interminable horse rides from uh from the, from the base camp to Valentine, like there's no way to get around that right now. There's no way to fast travel. I could burn the horse, you know, making that run, but I'm like, but that's not realistic. That like, that's not. 
practical. Like, I know that's a gamesmanship thing you could do, but I'm like, I wouldn't ride my horse at, like, a max gallop. Right. right? Like, you know, in, in, you know, in hunting, like, in general, like, hunting to find food to bring it back to the base camp, I don't know that I give a crap about that, but I feel obligated to participate in that, right? So, so part of my load balance this year is, so, like, I'm playing Red Dead Redemption 2, because I feel like there's a there's a, a critical you know obligation to, but by the same token, I'm like the the games that I like the most to me are the games I'll never finish. Right. But in a certain vein, in in the vein of something like Destiny Two, I don't really care that I finish Destiny Two because I just want to level my character. I'm never gonna finish World of Tanks or World of Warships. But what's important to me is that I get back and I periodically, like, dump some time into that to progress, like, my collection of tanks and my collection of ships. And so in some ways I'm kind of porting that philosophy over to these story-based games. And, like, I'm going to play Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm going to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm going to play Watch Dogs Legion. But because with the games that I like the most are the games that I don't care about whether or not I finish them, I don't know that I care about finishing these critical games that I feel like I have to play and experience, as long as I, like, spend some time with them and get enough of a notion of, like, how good they are. Um, so, so in, in that way, maybe there's going to be some decent convergence and some decent load balancing, and when I get tired of those story-driven games, and I know that they're a, they're a finite return, I'm going to stop playing them, and I'm going to go off and spend time, you know, w- with something that, that progresses a character and levels them up and, and gives me a better return on investment feeling um, from that amount of time. So, but Red Dead Redemption Two is beautiful. I mean, I'll definitely is, say that yeah. the, the the port to PC. Uh, I think I, you you may have noticed on Twitter. I, I posted on Twitter, and I don't post on Twitter a whole lot today because they flip out when I post too fast. Um, but uh, the in game benchmark is uh, is a problem. I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I think right before we went yeah, on break. That post. Yeah, that like the the in game benchmark, which was what I was using, was the thing that was telling me that I was never getting more than thirty frames per second back. And I was like, "This is a this is an AMD Ryzen seven thirty eight hundred X combined right. with an RTX twenty seventy. I'm like, I should definitely be getting more than thirty frames, sixty four gigabytes of RAM. Um, and it and it turns out, you know, it, and it's on a seventy five hertz monitor, so seventy five is my max anyway. But it turns out when I use the Steam frame rate counter, what I see is more what I expect, which is you know, I get frames anywhere between you know fifty seven and seventy five um, yep. frames." typically more up around, like, the 66 range and above. So, um, you know, there's few occasions where it dips below 60 where there's, like, a ton of bloom effect on the screen. So uh, It's a beautiful game, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah it looks great. Sure, yeah. Plays well. Uh, you know, you got the Rockstar launcher thing, which you have to deal with. Um, uh, which... I know, I know. You know, if, if what's funny is, I, I, I don't know, those launchers are, I, I've stopped fighting them. But um, I hate them still. And I mean, that's part of the reason why I like console games. I'm going to put it out there. I don't have to have a launcher. I don't have to have another fucking account. To, I mean, sometimes you do. But either way, at least they streamline it. So I'm not having to... Because you, you open it, it updates. It fucking... Because no self-respecting gaming dude has them all running at the same time. No. And then you get into overlay hell. Where you have like six overlays, oh, I'm sure that's not affecting performance somehow. No way, um, you know. I don't know, man. It gets. Oh, 
fuck, dude, I got the I got the EA overlay, but it really plays in Steam. So now you get the Steam overlay, and you gotta have them both running or Ubisoft. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, gets yeah. Uh, gets annoying. And, and and you thought you would have thought that now we're gonna see a lot of consolidation, and just like you mentioned, it's not necessarily sometimes it's worse. Um, in playing Red Dead Redemption Two, what I found was that uh, one of the uh, default uh, keyboard combinations for messing with your in-game overlay and bringing up your map is actually a keyboard shortcut for Nvidia Shadow Play. So, or, or whatever. So, so when I hit the thing to try and like, you're like, like recording. Right, exactly. So, so yeah, no, that's no, I know, I know, it's fucked up, dude. Like, yeah, I, I, I was playing, I think, like Far Cry when I finished up Far Cry Three on the Ubisoft launcher. It had an overlay, but then Steam also had an overlay, and it was fucking some shit up. So I had to turn one of them off, and I'm just like, ugh, man, just yeah. And the, game, yeah. And the games don't, and the games don't like that if you try and play without both of those DRM things running. Right, right, I know. So it's, it's, yeah, anyway. and then another interesting aside, right? I over the break I bought Anthem on PC. Which, this is oh, nice. one of the really weird games, though, where Xbox Game Pass, you know, EA Play on Xbox Game Pass on PC was delayed. So now it's not going right, to come yep. to 2021. I In this that. really strange instance, now Anthem is still only available via Origin. It's not available uh. via Steam. And it's not on the I, it's not. I don't think it's on the Xbox Store. So, so, so are how this, are you playing it? I had to download the Origin client for the uh, one game, <laughs> buy it through Origin, and play it that disgusting. way. Yeah. Whereas it, on most machines, I've uninstalled Origin and just figured, ah, well, I never have to see that thing again or deal with it. But, right. but guess what? Here's this weird game in the crevice, you know, which is weird because they say that they're dumping more time into it. So. Either that's the reason why it's still coupled to Origin is because they that's the thing that they still feel like they own, and even though they're letting people have access to it via EA Play, they haven't let go of it completely. Because you think they're going to let go of Origin completely? I think they're going to let go of Origin completely because I don't think it works well with their new business model that they're trying to work towards, which is, in my opinion, sounds like... We tried EA Play. It's not efficient. It's much more efficient from a money perspective for us to pay Steam and Microsoft to sell those games yeah. through their storefronts and manage all that. Um, but but when it comes to Anthem, I think because they're still dumping resources into it to make it uh, a going concern as a game as a service, um, it looks like they haven't completely relinquished, you know, decoupling it entirely from Origin. So, so we'll see. Yeah. But, you know, given... Given that my take on Red Dead Redemption 2 is I'm going to spend time playing it, but I never need to finish it, I'm okay riding the horse, right? <laughs> you know? Putting, and putting wagon wheels on. And putting wagon wheels, and petting the horse, and brushing it, and having to spend time, you know, gaining horse affinity with each particular horse, because you can own more than one, right? Dude, so. <laughs> dude just so you know, your horse, your horse can die. And I killed one of my horses. Horses, horse eye, and uh, and I felt fucking awful, dude. I didn't have a horse potion on me or whatever the fuck it was, and it died. And I sat there and I played with this horse for like forty fucking hours, and the thing died. A bunch of bandits killed it, and I was heartbroken, dude. I'm just saying, just have horse revival <laughs> shit on you, man, because 
it's awful and i didn't have a save <laughs> and it was just bad my wife's like why are you upset i'm like well i killed i killed my horse she's like saw... in your video game i'm like you don't get it man like this is my homie he is dead <laughs> I felt kind of bad because one of the I forget what the name of the uh, principal game is, uh, gang is that you're uh, that are your antagonists at the beginning of the game. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, something that starts with a C or whatever. Uh, I guess they killed uh, uh, the 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 main the main gang leader's wife or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but uh, one of their gang was getting away. Um, and I was, uh, going after him, and I remember, uh, and it tells you, it, it tells you, it pops a little tutorial up at the bottom, um, and it tells you, you know, so you have to lasso this guy, and I remember the yeah. first time through, I lassoed him, the second time through, I just ran after him and shot his horse. Ah, <laughs> oh, you fucking bastard. <laughs> and then got I know, the horse. <laughs> I, feel, I feel bad when I was trying to chase a bandit, and, you know, the aim is just finicky, dude, and I end up just blowing some horse up. Like oh fuck no, buddy! I didn't. Oh. <laughs> right at first, I, I pulled I pulled my gun and I was like, well, I, like I, I chased this guy down the last time and tried to lasso him, and it like was a long tedious thing. And I figured this time I'm just going to try and wing him, and maybe if I hit him in the arm or something like that, he'll yeah, just fall yeah. off the horse. And I started aiming for him, and then I was like, ah, screw that! And then I just shot the horse. So I figured it was Easy. over. A bigger target. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. uh, yeah. Red Dead Redemption and those moral choices. <laughs> like, do I want to lasso this guy or do I just want to shoot his horse? Right, right, right. So, um, the other thing I've been playing, as I mentioned, was Call of Duty Black Ops. Uh, and this, this is kind of the thing that led to the soul searching, right? I was dumping a lot of time into Call of Duty Black Ops. I think I am a prestige level two. And uh, son, that's good. Well, well, the way the prestige levels work, as far as I can tell, is like one through fifty is prestige level one, right. and then uh, and so I'm on prestige two, like level like seventy seven. Um, so I think two runs fifty one through one hundred, and then three runs one hundred one through one fifty, and so on. I think I think there's four prestige levels uh, in this first season because I've seen four different badges. Um, so I'm Prestige 2, 77, uh, I've unlocked, like, like, Battle Pass level 62, um, nice. I go, I go into matches now, and, like, there's not a ton of people, it's, it's actually pretty rare now that I see somebody who, um, has Prestige higher than I am, just through matchmaking. I mean, it happens, I definitely see them, but it's not like, it's not like I go into the room and there's, like, a mid-pack in the room, right? I tend to be, right. like, the highest Prestige in the room. Um, maybe there's one or two other people in there, and then of course you see you see the guys who are level like one thirteen, oh yeah, or one thirty something. But yep. So, so I was dumping tons, a ton of time in that game. I like most of that time I only played free for all. Um, it's only been within the last uh, probably in the month of December, probably mid December. I started mixing TDM into that as well. Um, I could probably you know gain faster even if I mix some other. Um, uh, game types in there, but I just like I don't have a lot of tolerance for like the goofy modes, you know. Of I don't either. Of, I, I definitely filter out some of the goofy modes, and some of the ones that just take too long, right. like uh, like seek and destroy or something right. like that. Ah, right. oh, fuck, dude! I don't have time for an hour <laughs> match. Right, right. Because the because the whole allure of the thing and the reason the thing caught my attention, the reason the thing has kept me tra- kind of trapped in it is because I go into a free for all or a TDM match. It's over in ten minutes. 
I reset. It's kind of like, you know, if you ever played hoops, it's kind of like, you know, some some days you'd go down to the park and you'd play hoops and people would want to play games to 21. And the problem is when you play a game to 21, sometimes that's an hour, right? When the game goes to 11, you play a game every 15 minutes, it resets. Maybe you Mm -hmm. were last, like the first game, and then when it resets, maybe you're, you know, second or third or win the game, right? You don't have to just lose for an hour straight. (laughs) Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, some of those game modes are, are, are obnoxious. I'm just like, nah, I don't. I know. No, I'm not. I'm not doing this. This is dumb. Right, and so that that has been the allure of Call of Duty. Call of Duty. It's it's no must, no fuss. You fire up the console, jump on the PC, you jump into it. I found some wonkiness with uh, you know, and 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 even I became so enamored with the game, uh, I I gave up. You know, I didn't, I one of the things is with streaming. I uh, got to the point last year where I said, look, I'm just gonna when I I used to stream with the consoles set up on the entertainment center and wired over to one of my dedicated streaming PCs, which is kind of a pain. Um, you know, when I started streaming, it was much worse. I used to wire stuff all the way from over from other sides of the room to a dedicated streaming PC. I'd gotten to where they were on the same side of the room, but it was still like a long cable run. I got to a point where I said, look, if I'm going to stream from the Xbox for a week, I'm just going to unplug it and move it and put it right on the same station as a streaming PC. And so uh, using it kind of in that mode, uh, most recently I hit the point where I was spending so much time with Call of Duty and feeling so happy about, you know, doing decent, you know, not good, I'm not one of the top players, but, you know, I I, I, I do well enough that I feel like it's value-added for me to play it. Um, instead of constantly coming in last, <laughs> right, all the time, which is what yeah, used to be the case. Yeah, old. So, uh, but, you know, recently I, I moved it and I said, you know what, I, like, I'm leveling up, I'm prestiging, like, I, I, like I'm just going to start playing with keyboard and mouse. Like, I don't feel like, I'm, this whole notion that it's dishonorable, like, I'm done with that, right? So, um, so I started playing with keyboard and mouse on Xbox, uh, and so that was yet another way to, to play it. Works, uh, works uh, fairly, fairly well, then? You don't, you don't notice yeah. any difference nope okay. nope no i i without a question i play better on keyboard and mouse and so sure. yeah. you know the, the spank factory is open right when i hook up the keyboard or mouse you know to yeah. xbox yeah. you know i should it's not no. it's not the overwhelming like i should you know one one perspective is that well if i hook up keyboard and mouse and i'm a decent player on pc i should just win all the time um and i don't First of all, after I hooked up keyboard and mouse, and I noticed kind of the different way people move, right? And I was like, I was like, I don't know that all these yokels that I've been running into that have been spanking me on Call of Duty also haven't been playing on keyboard and mouse because there's certain right, there's certain movements you cannot do right. And I've noticed that too. But when you do play with keyboard and mouse, since it's officially supported, you also open up yourself into those PC lobbies, right? You can't just play with with xbox people anymore that, that I I, believe. i'm pretty sure that's case. i don't know for certain because i just play crossplay all the time i never right, right. Re- yeah like, i think from what they they say is a second that you do go keyboard and mouse then you could not just do xbox only so then you know they try to keep it fair there um, but you will probably end up with uh, you know, you'll be, I think you get priority to be lumped into those, you know, mixed cross-play groups as opposed to Xbox only, um, you know, groups, um, which is yeah. fair. I mean, and, it is what it is. And, and since Modern Warfare, there's something that goes on. Like, I don't believe, and I don't know, maybe I'm just naive. 
I've never thought that based on based on what I see during matchmaking, based on what I see, solely on what I see, I would put my thumb on the statistics of the metrics being something like the player base across Call of Duty is like five percent PC, like I don't know, sixty percent PlayStation, and like thirty-five percent Xbox. Because even on PC with crossplay enabled, when I go into lobbies, when I see another PC player, it's only one, and everywhere right. once in a while I'll see two. And overwhelmingly, everybody else is on console. And I see the same thing when I'm on console. I see, with crossplay enabled, I see the overwhelming majority of players that I get match made with. So I don't know if that's... There are a bunch of people playing on PC that don't have crossplay enabled because they don't want to play with console players. Could be. Could be. Um, I don't know. So it's, it's, it's hard for me to to get a track on that. I mean, my feeling from when I play on console is that, so so given that on console with matchmaking, I don't get thrown into a room with like seven other people on PC, having crossplay enabled and playing on controller has not put me at a significant disadvantage, you know, to, to having, with having crossplay enabled. So I've never felt the need to turn it off um, to prevent myself from being match made with, with PC players. And, you know, the, the same is true for me when I play on mouse and keyboard or when I play on PC. Just because I'm on mouse court and keyboard and PC doesn't mean that I'm automatically going to win every match. Um, no, no. You know, there are some really good console players out there who have figured out how to tune their controls so that, you know, they're competitive with, you know. I've seen, yeah, I've seen console players that turn up their sensitivity to some insane fucking setting, and I don't know, you know, they're just, they're ridiculous. They're monsters. I I just don't even bother. I'm just like, all right, if he's going that way, I'm going to try to stay on this side of the map because I'm not that good. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's good to hear that you're not getting your ass spanked all the time because I yeah. was worried about your sanity there for <laughs> for a bit. Like, this man's only going to be able to lose so much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no, that's good. well, and that's and that's and that. I mean, that's what gates it, right? If it was, if it was like the way it used to be, which is, you know, I was, I was always last. You know, it, it, it used to be. I mean, you know, mid pack for the win, right? Was my was my statement. Like, I just, I just want to come in mid pack, you know. But but nowadays, where it's like more often than not, I feel comfortable that I'm gonna come out with a top three finish, and you know it. It, it, it makes a difference that, you know, you can say what you want about it. You know, you can say that they've weakened it or made it, you know, you know, less, uh, less competitive by, you know, declaring the people who, who do top three finishes and free for all as winners. Um, whatever you know, I that, mean, <laughs> that, that, that makes a difference, right? That's, that's just how it works. I mean, that's how yeah. the Olympics is. That's how that's I mean, you're, you know, second place loser is fine with me. Third place loser is fine with me. Right. So right. Yeah. no, no, no. I do like that, especially in the free for all where you're fighting for the top, you know, top three um, yeah. makes you feel like you got a little bit of a chance because I mean, the dude could have 82 kills, but your 42 might be, might be okay to land you a second place victory. Yeah. So you know, and you're always at a disadvantage when you're playing TDM, you know, go up against people who are on comms. And you can tell, right? When oh, yeah. You, when, oh, when, yeah. You, when you run up on, on, on TDM and people are moving around as squads and, like, you never catch a person by themselves, they're always in, like, yep. a pack of three. 
like that, like they're on comms, right? So, um, and that's fine. And sometimes, you know, you're able to, uh, I've started pinging a lot more um, yeah, in TVM yeah, matches. Ping. Pinging is good. And people actually, uh, you know, the grid matches are where people actually respond to that and they go, oh, you know, they're flooding over there. Uh, but you can see kind of the dynamic, the tide of battle shift um, and kind of the geometry of the battle shift. Um, you know, I've definitely yeah, you had... definitely feel some of those matches more than others. So, yeah. Sometimes you definitely feel like, oh my god, this is <laughs> right. a clusterfuck. Yes. And other times you're like, yes. all right, all right, these dudes are at least aware that they're part of a team and know where the flag is, you know, so, that's yeah, funny. So, it, you know, it, it, in combination with, you know, like I mentioned, the Souls or two that I've been doing, it, it did what it's supposed to do, it's... You know, it's you know they've they've found out the hook. You know, it's you know you go into a match and you know as long as you do okay, you're typically going to unlock some additional attachment on a weapon. I agree. There's tons of weapons in each category. You've got the gun porn. You've got the cosmetics. Um, you know, you've got enough there to keep someone interested. And even if you're having a bad night, you know, you just you just go in it. You know, you you have the ability to go in it and play 30 minutes and get three matches in. And be like, okay, that's, that's good. You know, I just need to do that like two or three times a week, right? and I'm happy. Um, and then, you know, and then I love my nights where you come home and you kick back, and you know, that's that's what you got on your plate for two hours. And again, it's it's no muss, no fuss. I don't have a ton of like inventory management to do, or um, you know, putting wagons on, you know, putting wheels on wagons and that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's I good. Just, it's good. This makes me laugh. <laughs> well, with that, with with wagon wheels, what a segue! We are gonna go to the way back, way back machine where wagon wheels once roamed free. All right, here we go. Effects for sound. Right, way back. Wash up before dinner. All right, so we got a little, we got a little flavor flavor for the people who can all hear. All right, that. all right, all right. <laughs> all right. So in the way back machine, we are gonna go back to May two thousand and eight. Um. Maybe around when the stock market was taking a nosedive. Don't know, but I was still playing games. Um, <clears throat> and I was playing, at the time, Mass Effect. Now, Mass Effect changed my life, I have to say. Mass Effect, um, I did not play on the Xbox 360. Uh, the Xbox uh, 360 release was actually sooner than that. I think it came out in like 07. Um, <clears throat> or early earlier either way I, I didn't have an xbox um i had a pc i heard good things about it and i'm like all right i'll try this mass effect you know commander shepherd you know oh my god that game was so amazing that was bioware that was the bioware that we haven't seen in 15 years probably but it was an amazing game and i think the only the only negative i could say about that game was inventory management became tedious after a while i didn't like the inventory management i liked what they did with that in mass effect 2 however it was an rpg and just like every other fucking game uh like uh, oh my god dead space same thing every game they shift towards this like action rpg you know from rpg to action rpg uh, the controls and aim get tighter, the action gets, you know, more often more frequent, more visceral, and that can be great, but it kind of loses some of that RPG-ness. So Mass Effect 1 is still, like, has a place in my heart. It was one of the best. I mean, when I lost crew members on Mass Effect, I was devastated, even more than the horse, 
in Red Dead Redemption. Like I did not want to lose these people, but I did. And I forced myself not to go back because I saved often. So, I mean, I could have gone back, but in reality, you can't go back. So I tried to play it like a real Commander Shepard, you know, like I lost this person. That's fucked up, but I got to deal with it now. And I really liked that sense of permanence. Um, the Just like every decision you make actually, you know, has an outcome that it can be beneficial or detrimental. And it didn't baby you. It, it. I mean, you fucking people died, man. They were gone. Like a blank shadow is now on your on your list of crew members that you can pick. And Jack is forever gone because you didn't. You picked her, and she fell behind. And apparently, if you picked somebody else, they would have made it. And ah, oh, fucking, it all depends on your relationships with them and your reputation with them, and how much they trust you, and whether or not they survive. <laughs> so. <sighs> I know, Man, I know it's, it was it was a good game. So, so I know a couple weeks ago we asked kind of the quintessential question of each other of like, do you play with multiple game saves? Um, so so I know that we do in order yes. to insulate ourselves against bugs and glitches and game stopping crashes. Now, in Mass Effect specifically, so so I know like on games like uh, the one that I remember the most was like Rainbow Six Rogue Spear, um, where. You're you're given a roster of characters, and this and you get the same effect in like XCOM and some other things where, you know, sometimes you keep a game save or you rerun a mission because, um, you know, a character was lost, and you're like, oh no no no, I want I want that character with me like to the end um, to use their skill sets or whatever. So, t- my question is, do you use your game saves in Mass Effect to like replay decisions? I okay, I, uh, did. I didn't because because that's not how shit is in space man all right that's not how it works there are no saves and i did it on purpose because i could have gone back and i would sit there and contemplate contemplate do i go back do i go back but in real life you can't go back and i really wanted to have some permanence you know and i know people would play and play again until they could save everybody that's not what happens in space people die in space that's just it so i went in i i went in with that philosophy and i think it was really rewarding to 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 know you know that that yes bad and good like i was able to save this person but shit you know i i wish i could have saved this one no yeah and and i agree in playing that way like i i would again i i keep those game saves so that if there's a bug or a glitch or something and i have to get back to a save that i can i keep them rolling so that there's different save yeah, points yeah, in and case that, i'm running into a problem and that's fine if you get into a game breaking bug or something right. um, definitely go back but i've also and i've gone back before and what happens is sometimes you get in a frustrating pattern where uh, it doesn't help right so you try a different scenario right. and do something and it's, you know and it's still, right. so pretty soon i'm just aggravated at that point yeah. like like I yeah. can't, I don't know what to do to get this person to survive this. So I just put myself in a. So I stopped that. Uh, probably, yeah, probably with Mass Effect. I mean, that's yeah. why it was so game changing for me. Like, I cared so deeply about this game and my mission, and I definitely had relationships that were stronger with certain people because I liked them more. Um, you know that uh, that it, I, I, going back would be disingenuous to the whole the whole thing. Like just just to save this person that I really didn't care about? Yeah, uh, why? And, you know? Right, and, and, and I agree. I, I feel like I agree. I feel like that's the most rewarding way to play it because that makes it your gameplay, your yes, playthrough, like, right? Exactly. That's like, what makes no it individualized. Well, I'm sure someone else probably lost the same fucking people, but 
in my world, no one else lost Jack, and and I didn't like Jack. She didn't like me. She was kind of a bitch, and you know, she rubbed me the wrong way. And I was a female Commander Shepard, and I didn't dislike her when she died. I was a little, I was still heartbroken. It was still fucked up. It made me feel things that video games did not make me feel, you know. And I think Mass Effect uh, is special in that aspect. That uh, and it took me a long time to finish Mass Effect. I only played for a while, and then um, I had my kid in. Uh, in July of that year. So, shit, man. Mass Effect was shelved for about a year, probably, with the kid. And I came back to it, and it was all still as fresh as it was on day one. Like, I didn't even need a recap. Like, I knew this is the mission that we left off on. Let's go. Let's go. And uh, it's just a special game, dude. And I think it's definitely one of the games that brought people into Bioware, you know, and that got them that pedigree. And uh, Mass I mean, all the Mass Effects were good. One and two were my favorite, and one and two, Mass Effect one and two are probably one of my favorite games of all time. And Mass Effect one, the storyline is just, it was really good. I mean, I, I can't say enough. If you haven't played Mass Effect, yeah, it looks a little rusty now, but um, we're going to get, hopefully, a remake here, the Legendary Collection that's coming. I'm going to buy the shit out of that maybe play it and by 2042 um but uh but yeah no mass effect was what i was playing back in may i finished it probably two years later total um because yeah i was just too preoccupied with the damn kid um but uh but yeah what were you playing back in uh may 2008 man yeah so man i'm trying to think of like where i was like in life um Kind of. So this is about uh, t- to me and, and to me because because other people's experience was different. This to me was the midpoint of the life cycle of the Xbox 360 because, like I said, after in the very late 2010, uh, I got my red ring of death for the last time that I was willing to tolerate it. Um, and so again, my life cycle for the Xbox 360 ran for five years roughly, um, and then I was off the platform for about four years. Uh, so. Um, Grid came along, uh, and as, uh, you know, somebody who's a big racing game fan, um, but more importantly in the Xbox 360, I talked a couple weeks ago about how that cadre of friends that I linked up with uh, in the very early days of the Xbox 360 in the launch window of playing Project Gotham Racing 3, um, those those were the friends that's that I was with, right, for the entire time that I was on the Xbox um, that first time around, and were my circle of friends, and we branched out from there and got into, you know, the Halos and Chrome Hounds and Crackdown and all that kind of stuff. Um, Race Driver Grid was a game that some people from that crew got into, not everyone, uh, and so there were about three of us from that crew of, like, eight to ten friends um, that did dip into Race Driver Grid, had a, had a blast with it, um, Grid has gone on to become one of those racing franchises uh, that has uh, endeared me to Codemasters and that I've been on in some format in its four different iterations since then. Uh, and so um, th- that, that first game launching, uh, again, in that franchise, I've, I've been a Codemasters game player for a very long time. Um, but, but that was one of the franchises uh, in its early vestiges um, in multiplayer because, again, I was never a big multiplayer racing fan, um, because just, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, much like sports genres, it's kind of one of those where there's some spammy kind of, I don't want to say cheats, but like, 
you know, people always find, like, the best car, and then that's all that they ever drive. And I'm like, well, that's not very, you know, interesting or, you know, <laughs> doesn't change the experience that often from race to race. So, um, but yeah, I had a good time. You know, there were, I, there were, I don't know that there was anything super remarkable about Race Driver Grid itself at, at the first release. It's more about how that franchise played out. I will say, you know, one of the things that it, it looks good. Yeah, well, and one of the things that differentiated it from Forza is uh, Forza um, Motorsport. I want to say the first one on the 360 was maybe f three. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, the difference was in Forza, you know, it was very detailed, like, like, and, and people were super detailed. They made the skins, like, they uh, in the livery, and those were available for you to download, and you know, people broke out as making ones that were, you know, incredibly, you know, popular in comparison to others. Race Driver Grid kind of, I don't want to say dumbed it down, but backed off of that a little where, you know, they just, they let, they let you go in and just hit a random button and you would just produce like a unique skin. And I was more of the mind for that because like I don't have time for all like the artsy stuff and even downloading skins, you know, is a hassle sometimes because they wouldn't always come down and yeah, connectivity in the 360 days when tons of people didn't have broadband was always a little problematic. So, um, yeah, it was. You know, so Race Driver Grid, you know, provided that. You know, even when you go back to the first Gran Turismo, one of the things that I loved and that I hated as they eked it out of that franchise was, you know, I think every car originally in Gran Turismo had a, had a racing livery that you could apply. Um and then, you know, in certain iterations and over time, they took that out of the game. So you would max a car, and then you couldn't put a racing thing on it. And I'm like, so so Race Driver Grid in a lot of ways was kind of a harken back to that, where, like, every car could have its individualized racing livery. Um, again, slightly different take, you know, but it was just it just made it easy to kind of stand out and know, you know, which vehicle was yours um, and kind of break yourselves off from the pack. So um, I will also say the other thing... That was cool from about Race Driver Grid single player um, was it was the first racing game that I can remember where it really introduced that the AI could make mistakes. So the funny thing about Race Driver Grid uh, or Grid um, when you're playing in single player, and this applies to Grid Two, Grid Three, Grid Autosport, is that you will often be going around the track and you will just hear some calamity break out next to you or behind you and you won't even see it and then you're like look in your rear view mirror and there's just like a car flying off the track like completely like delaminating you know and pieces flying everywhere and you're like oh he screwed up you know <laughs> so um yep, it brings yep. that extra feeling of realism fun, though. Uh, yeah. yeah 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 yep yeah i think i played grid on the ps3 and uh and i really enjoyed it uh it was one of the only it was really one of the only racing games worth playing on PS3, other than obviously Gran Turismo. Um, but uh, and the multiplayer, uh, people were really upset when they canned it. Finally, they canned the multiplayer. You know, I don't know, three, four years later, and people were still into it. And of course, people got upset about it. But uh, but Grid's fun. Yeah, Grid's Grid's a fun game, and and it, I I think I liked it because it wasn't as sim like as Gran Turismo. You know, it was a little more arcadey. It just felt, but not Need for Speed. You know, so it was a kind of a balance of both, and I I, I enjoyed that because uh, I played the shit out of Gran Turismo One. Um, you know, on the original PlayStation, was it? Yeah, it was the original PlayStation. God damn, I, I played the shit out. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so did I every, and, up up until the wee hours of the morning. Oh um, my god, I, I I used to do those like you know five hundred lap races. They would take 
like six hours IRL time. Like I'd have to plan a pit stop to go take a piss and come back. <laughs> well, well, that was uh, yeah, it's good times. And I'd almost forgot about that. That was one of the things that uh, Grid introduced as well. Was they introduced you know the the capstone at the end of every season was the Le Mans, and you could choose to do that or you could choose to bypass it. But you know the friends that I played online with were very big about hey let's race let's race Le Mans and uh, it That's was not fun though. Yeah, you you could you could race it. I don't. It wasn't quite real time, but it, you could definitely sure. you know, like it was a it was a hundred laps or was like whatever something that's, ridiculous that's was. Still and, a few hours, I'm sure. Yep, yep. You would you would see you would see on your friends list online people just like sitting there playing Le Mans for like hours at a time, yeah. you know, running the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, your so. your fucking your your thumb would just be broken by the end of it. Your I'll be cra- I don't even think I can do that now, dude. We're old. My arthritis would kick in. My carpal tunnel would just seize my hands up. Uh, nah, I'd be bad business. Um, so we are done with the Wayback Machine. We are teleporting back into the present, back into news and controversy of the week. I don't, I don't know if we have a sense. Yeah, so it sounds perfect. And you failed. <laughs> so that was the uh, and you fail uh, sound effect, uh, which is probably apropos to our controversy section. <laughs> well, I don't have anything to start off with just yet. I'm going to feed off whatever you might because I've been kind of out of the news cycle, but I know you have something. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you. Um, and you got something with our much beloved cyberpunk that's still ongoing. Yeah, and we, and we can keep it kind of short. Uh, you know, that's why our other two segments were, were kind of long. But, like, I, same thing. I mean, I don't know that there's a ton of controversy um, that, you know, gamers have really been grousing about over the holiday season. Um, it's also been tough for me to see it as I've been off Twitter um, for a lot of it, which that is where is a lot true. of happens. That is true. you got to stop <laughs> spamming Twitter, man. Um, but, you know, the CDPR saga still uh, goes on. And it's, it's almost a little less, I think right after we recorded last time was when this notion of the class action lawsuit. Yeah, it was. Kind of, um, I think, you know, this isn't a hardcore news show, so I'm not as wrapped around the axle about accuracy as I am about like some of the other podcasts that I do where it is a news show. Um, so I want to say that I think uh, it is, I think it is official that uh, one of the shareholders has brought a class action lawsuit um, to, to, to court in Poland uh, against CDPR for, you know, I think I want to say for the charges misleading um, investors on the state of cyberpunk or, or something like that. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's less so the news track and more so that I've just had more time to kind of think about, um, you know, kind of our initial discussion about all the CDPR drama. And, you know, I go back to this trying to nail down, you know, I, I think kind of in the back of my mind, um, I was thinking, like, something about this just doesn't sit, like, as being fair. And again, I'm still on the track of I don't want to give CDBR a pass, right? They definitely screwed some, you know, screwed things up and screwed some things up. Again, I go back to the, but I don't, but I can't say that they did anything that hasn't been done by other publishers and vendors in the gaming space before. It's not like CDPR invented the notion of not giving review copies to people. Plenty of larger publishers have done that before. I think one of the square things that I landed on, because I always try and kind of come down on this, you know, binary 
you know, is it or isn't it? Like, there's got to be a tiebreaker. Like, there has to be a perspective that you can look at a thing that says, is the cat in the box or is it not in the box and is it alive or dead, right? There's got to be a Schrodinger test for everything. Where I'm, I think I'm settling on this one is, is that, you know, I've, first of all, you know, continued with the thought of, like, hey, part of this is driven by gamers. Gamers have to have their darling companies. And so, you know, BioWare was one of those for a while. They followed from Grace. Uh, Blizzard was one of those for a while. They followed from Grace. Bungie was a one for a while. I, I don't, I don't think Bungie has done anything to fall from Grace, like a scandal or a controversy, like some of the others have. But I definitely think that they're not as revered uh, as they used to be in the Halo days, where like they could do kind of no wrong. Um, uh, and, and if I didn't mention it already, you know, I, I think, and Bethesda was one of those. And I definitely think Bethesda has fallen from grace. Oh, yeah. And, and so, For sure. And so where I land on this thing about them being delisted, and it's, it, to me it's more, I don't know why, but it also seems like it was a bigger deal that Sony delisted them from the store than that Microsoft <laughs> did. Like, nobody batted an eye that it got pulled from the Microsoft store, and I don't know if that's because Sony went first. But but when Sony did it again, I go back to the like. So is it you know, if I compare that game to Drive Club and No Man's Sky? Um, you know, is it fair? Right? Did they should those games have been delisted? But they didn't because they were Sony's properties. But but where I land, definitely, where I land, definitely, I think it's still some open to, you know. Uh, being pulled apart, you know, by others who will have a different perspective. But I, I, you know, when I compare that game to Fallout 76, because because I hold for that Bethesda has been derping things up for a long time, but they've been given a pass. But finally with Fallout 76, I, I was like, finally you guys see the problems that I saw before, right? And where Bethesda was not a darling developer from my eyes, like, like you know, their their games were problematic, where I lay down Fallout 76 and Cyberpunk next to each other, I go, okay, the difference to me is that Cyberpunk at least works on one platform. It at yep. least works on PC. It's not any more broken on PC than, like, The Witcher was. You know, even, you know, if it, if it, I mean, uh, all, all games have bugs, all software has bugs, but, but in terms of the state of its stability and its reliability... Cyberpunk 2077 on PC, as far as I can tell, is at least as good as The Witcher 3, right? And that was largely deemed as acceptable, right? The difference between that and Fallout 76 is Fallout 76, as far as I'm concerned, was broken everywhere, right? There, there was no good version of Fallout 76. Um, yeah, no. and, and, and a lot of the Fallout 76 problem was design and not even so much, like, code quality, right? Whereas, you know... The cyberpunk on consoles, to me, is a code quality problem, not a design problem. So, so to me, I'm like, okay, so are Fallout, are Fallout 76 and Cyberpunk equal? Cyberpunk gets the lead on that, right? Because at least I go, from a title perspective, I could say, if, if somebody came into a store or, or passed me on the street and said, hey, should I buy Cyberpunk 2077? I could at least say go buy it on PC, if somebody came to me a year ago and said, hey, can I buy Fallout 76? I would say, no, don't bother wasting your money on that. 
race. So, oh, well, I hear it's good. No, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's not good on any platform. Don't buy it. Yeah, it was fucking broken. I mean, it was just, it was broken. So, yeah, no, I, I you know, I guess, I guess uh, shareholders have a reason to be mad if the sales aren't, you know, up to spec or, or whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't know why, you know, why the bandwagon kind of started on this particular game. Um, and that's going to be an interesting thing to, you know, in hindsight, when this all blows over, uh, you know, to kind of analyze, because I don't think we have everything that we need to analyze this, you know, maybe more information will come out of the studio, maybe more devs will speak up, I, who knows, right? Um, I mean, with a project this big, there's bound to be, and I think that's that's probably it, is the hype, right? I mean, Fallout 76 was just Fallout 4 with online and more broken um, and no fun and yeah, and broken. Uh, so, I mean, even even Fallout 4 was fucking broken. I, I, I got Fallout 4 in release and I remember going to a part of the level that they forgot to put in. Like, it was just like somebody smashed some low-res gray textures in there and said, fuck it, that's good. It's Friday, gotta go. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's that hype train. The hype train was bigger, was going faster, and is just, that's physics, man. It crashed hard, you know? And whether or not it's actually any worse than any of the games that you mentioned is not even an issue anymore i mean it's just because it didn't live up to that to that hype i think at this point because honestly people people are playing it i i have a buddy i have a buddy mike who might be the only person in north america that's playing it on a ps4 and loves the shit out of it loves the shit been playing it since release it's not broken for him it's fine. I mean, he deals with it. He may have, you know, glaucoma or something. I mean, who knows? He may not be able to see correctly, but he's playing it. So right there is anecdotal proof that somebody is getting, you know, uh, to play it on a PS4. Um, so, yeah, is it any more broken than Fallout 76 or any more disappointing than Anthem, which I was really disappointed about? Um, because that also had a hype train going, and I waited for several years thinking it was going to be the new thing. Um, I don't know, man. You know, I, I really would like to know... The ball was dropped. You know, the ball was dropped, and uh, and I didn't want to be negative about it. But, I, you know, you could almost see it coming. I mean, how can a game live up to all that? Yeah. I mean, this game was supposed to come and, and replace your wife... <laughs> and hook for your kids and right i mean well and, and i listened to an interesting talk you know my commute in this morning i listened to uh i think she's a she's a vp or an executive vp for pivotal who i guess just got acquired by vmware but you know one of the things she just recently wrote a book in, about cloud native software applications one of the things that she wrote I, I think her book opens about um with the statement that it's not amazon's fault and uh, part of her story was about um, how uh, uh, I think I think I think S3 went down on the East Coast. I think was the root cause. Uh, but I definitely remember this day. I remember being at work this day. I remember working in a um, uh, in an organization that had some dependency on Amazon infrastructure, and I remember Amazon going down. And I remember 
not being directly involved in the systems that were affected, but I definitely remember, you know, I've, I've, I've got a spidey sense for when I see, you know, more than two people heading in one direction with two sets of tools. Um, you know, so I saw the bad scramble of people, you know, heading for server rooms and stuff to contend <laughs> with this impact. And I started Googling around on the internet and I was like, oh, Amazon's down. Um, and, and her statement was, you know, Amazon had told everyone that, hey, if you put all your eggs in one basket, we're not guaranteeing that you're going to be okay, right? We have these things, these other things that you can do, but it's on you to do them, right? And that, to me, is one of the biggest stories, you know, and, and part of the additional, you know, thinking that I'm doing since our first conversation about, like, part of this is what happens with gamers, right? How many friends... And I know you got some. I know you got more than zero, right? How many friends do you and I have who spent large parts of 2020 saying, I don't care about any other game than Cyberpunk? Yeah. Cyberpunk yeah. is my one thing. I'm just waiting for Cyberpunk. And look, when you as a gamer put all of your eggs into one basket, and this feeds off into like other things than just release, like all the people who put all their eggs into the Fortnite basket and then got all bent out of shape when, like, they changed the game. I'm like, you need to understand that Epic doesn't care about your religious affiliation with Fortnite. If you what? choose, for, If you choose for that to be the only game that you play, then understand that once they get your money, their primary concern is getting other people's money, and that means if they didn't get those other people's money before then they need to change something to get it now. And if you're not going to be happy with the change, then when you don't insulate yourself against the eggs all in one basket thing, then this is what happens. It blows up in your face. You get emotionally impacted. You get bent out of shape. And you immediately start a, a voice track and a dialogue that starts me to turn your volume down. Right? And I go, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, and this yeah. is kind of to me what a yeah. lot of people did with Cyberpunk. They put it on a pedestal. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you know, props to those people that that did that and are loving the game. Because I know that there are people out there that love that are absolutely loving the game and are totally okay with what it is, and that's cool. Um, I have put it down after probably about 15 hours, not because I haven't enjoyed it, because I just I kind of want to wait on it. I I I, I want to wait on some more versions. I maybe will wait until you know an actual Series X patch comes out, um, just to take full advantage of it. I don't see myself replaying this game, and I know people will. Um, based on what I've heard, is the replay factor? I mean, it is there, um, but the endings all kind of are the same bucket a slop um so i mean you don't get super individualized settings based on you know who you pick um and 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 ending so you know i'm not plus uh replaying a game for me is a tough proposition like i just don't do it um anyway i yeah i've i've shelved it um and not because i didn't enjoy it and not because it didn't run okay i'm just i got other shit to play i'm gonna let it kind of iron out um i'll revisit it you know, maybe fall again when things slow down for me and I have some more downtime. Um, it's a time suck. I know that um, I personally know people's whose opinion I do respect that have 100 plus hours in this game. 
and are really, really into it. Um, and that's cool. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that some people are enjoying it and it's not just all a big old complainy clusterfuck. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I think we kind of all saw this coming. The hardcore fans would love it. And then everybody else that was kind of meh would be like, this is it. This is all you got. Like, you know, it's running at 12 frames a second on my Xbox One. What do I do now? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, I, and the like, last thing I'll... I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. And, and the last thing I'll mention is I, I've also seen, you know, in this time frame, you know, this has also fueled the, the, the people who, again, like, love to take, like, the singular tentpole fact and say, that's it. Like, that's the proof. And I've seen a lot of ascribement to this notion that, like, this is why the game should have only been PC and next-gen. And I'm like, <laughs> again, different software developers, different managers will have a different perspective, but, but I will tell people, and I'll tell you from my perspective, that's not the way it works, right? When, when the initial set of requirements was given, right, to, to whomever... And and I and like I asked like I like I asked the question now right you know uh, uh, an easy answer that's an analog is what browsers do you need it to be compatible with? Right. And somebody will say Internet Explorer, Microsoft Edge, Chrome, and Opera. Let's just say. And I'm like, once you say that, and I build my team around that, that's a given. Like that notion that that pervades deep into the development cycle and causes a problem i don't buy that and look if the game is made for pc it already has to contend with 99 different combinations of hardware right i don't believe that and and now we're talking about console platforms that are all on the x86 architecture so yeah, yeah. as far as i'm concerned it's not any different than just telling me it needs to be compatible with this pc so, so this rabid concept that like it should only like shut up like that's if you're not a software developer and you don't know uh, shut up no pushing that you opinion no idea. because yeah. i don't believe that that's the way it works yeah, from well, somebody would... who does software development it would radically change? Do you really think that it would radically change? Like, no, it, no. it wouldn't. And, 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 and no, no. And, and, and a lot of these are, I mean, that vision, um, oh, this came up with Halo Infinite, uh, not to get off track too, uh, too much, but people are wanting, you know, Halo and, Infinite to dropped from Xbox One. Yeah, and, right? and, and Spider-Man, even though Spider-Man came off successfully, sure. people contended the yeah. same thing. And it's, I don't know what they're thinking is going to happen if that were dropped, especially now. Like, that game is done. Like, yes, there's more work to be done, uh, and there's work into games years after the fact, but, I mean, they've hashed out their world and their their, their world sizes and their, their assets and how big this game is going to be to fit those consoles um, and they will scale up to whatever is necessary, but they're, it's not going to happen. You, you'd have to rework an entire game. It would be a new game. Like right. That's just not how that works. You can't drop something. Maybe next Spider-Man, next Halo Infinite 2 <laughs> would would benefit you know, from being spec'd higher. Sure, yeah, maybe. Yeah. 
but uh, I I think people honestly think that, and this has been the case with with you know video cards through the through the years. You don't, I mean, yes, it's been five years, seven years, you know, eight years between console, but I've also had video card upgrades throughout those years, and no, I mean things get incrementally better but it's not gonna blow your socks off guys it's not like that i mean it's generally like things get better your shit runs those things worse and you upgrade right and then you continue that cycle and that's all it is to it and yes there's you know there's moore's law and 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 yeah you have to keep gunning for more more power and more teraflops but you don't i think people expect it's you know they drop these original consoles and boom you're gonna have the messiah of games come down from the heavens and blow everybody's socks off and that's just not how it's gonna work right right i mean to to try and try and map it out for for the people who don't understand a, a little bit let's so they made a decision to put it on a certain number of platforms software is modular so let's say, just to throw numbers around, nice round, even numbers to make things easy for people. Let's say that means, let let's say that means across across five consoles, five hardware platforms. Each each version is is twenty modules, and so I have to build a hundred modules total, right? What I decide very early on is how many of those modules are kind of going to be common and are going to be shared. And how many of those need to be specialized and tailored? And, and, my, and my primary desire is to have a certain number of those be common across all the platforms with some minor tailoring right, that has to be done. And there's different levels. There are, there are ones that are going to be um, common and will run everywhere. There are going to be ones that are going to be 90, 80, 90% common and require some degree of tailoring at the tail end for a given platform. And then there's going to be modules that are going to be hyper-specific to a platform, um, and they're not going to be shared across because of some specific knit. But by and large, I staff and I tool for that at the beginning, right? And then everything after that is a follow-on. And so once I'm at... And, th and then the other thing is, again, I, I apologize if this sounds, you know... Uh, uh, chauvinistic or whatever but just it's just a common term in the software world we, we have this saying that you know nine nine women can't make a baby in one month right like taking two platforms away doesn't mean that those 80 people right that were assigned to work on that platform right. can now be swung over to the pc and the xbox series and the playstation 5 versions right probably what is most likely is those 80 people just get let go. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. So it again, it doesn't it's not it's not a linear relationship, it's not a binary relationship and it's not an if then, you know, yes no true false relationship. Just pulling those two consoles what pulling those two consoles off the table means is that that news story, right? And quite frankly, the commentary from people who are incompetent and don't understand goes away. Right. Yeah. So from a PR perspective, the marketing and the PR good. people don't have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. But from a technical perspective, that doesn't necessarily make, you know, my life. I mean, sh I mean, sure, it's a problem I don't have to contend with. But but you putting that on the table. Right. 
it was a, it was a problem on day one. It's not necessarily a problem that drives anything. It, it you know at day seven hundred and sixty eight, right? right. Yep. I make design choices, right? Uh, how things are implemented across the different platforms, but by and large, I we settle into like a paradigm of what that is. We make decisions on we're going to put it in this thing, not put it in that thing. Um, you know, and, the, and again, there's a desire to not implement a thing that is super hyper specific to one platform that is that is feature based, right? So it's not like I'm not going to include a line of dialogue, right, in all five right, versions right. because I don't have enough memory space, right? Like it's it's more like yeah. I'm going to do ray tracing or I'm not going to do yep. ray tracing. Yep. And again, ray tracing is an API, right? It's it's not like they're writing that code manually. Right. right, right. There's it's, a ray tracing on, on library. Off. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, but there we go. And that's, 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 you know, that's how it is. And I don't think a lot of people understand it. So, I mean, you know, we'll do, we'll have more discussions about this. But fact is, is that your games, uh, you know, these companies are not going to alienate a huge market, you know, either. Yeah. Nine million PS4s out there or some crazy number. Yeah. No, dude. It's it's releasing on the PS4, whether you like it or not. I mean, the shit could have ran four frames a second, and they still would have fucking released it. And then they would have patched it, apologized, gave you a skin and a gun, and called it good. I mean, that's just how this shit works. So I don't know what people expected, but... Ah, Cyberpunk. All right. Well, we're, we're done with Cyberpunk. We're done with this show for the night. We has jobs to do. Vacation is over, and we are back at work. And uh, yeah, yeah, and everything's in full swing. So we're back from vacation, straight back into pandemic mode. Here we go, 2021. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for uh, hanging out uh, uh, with us again on episode 11 of the Internet Needs to Calm the Hell Down about games. Um, and we hope to see you, um, you know, again on uh, next week. Same time, same place. Have a good day, guys.